Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast. We discuss great stories and how they're told. I'm Sam. As always, he's Andy. That hasn't changed. We're still Sam and Andy. Um, what has changed is my 100 batting record for the year for not getting in arguments with losers on social media. I have to call my, my number. You gotta, get a, you gotta get away from it, dude. That's why I just don't even read comments 99% of the time. It's just not worth it. It is a little bit of a clickbait opening to that discussion. I I wouldn't say that I got in an argument, but I definitely engaged in an argument, and then I backed away once I realized that I'm being a loser. Um, so I'll give you the breakdown. I still feel completely at peace with what I picked an argument about. Um, this, to me, was super silly, but I'll just go ahead and put it out there, and you can judge how you would like. Um, I saw a social media post that was shared on one of those meme accounts and it was intended to be a funny video it was this video of a uh a wedding is going on out in the open presumably at a golf course because the people filming are golfing so they are they're about i wouldn't i don't know 30 40 yards away from the 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 ceremony and as the pastor or the officiant is going through the I now pronounce you man and bride or whatever you may kiss the bride type deal right as he says you may kiss the bride the guy tees off and then the guy filming is like yo boy <laughs> and I just saw that I immediately felt that kind of rage tingle go through me because I just was like that is the dumbest thing in the world both as a golfer and as somebody that is married and thinks it's a big deal to get married. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of annoyed me on multiple levels of ruining somebody's wedding who you don't know, hitting a golf shot you could have waited 10 seconds for, or you could have maybe hit it 30 seconds earlier and driven off. Like, I'm sure that these people waited for these air. Like, the way the video is posed, these people are sitting there waiting for the May You Kiss the Bride. They hit a golf shot right next to them, and then they yell, Yabba Booey. And, I, and I'm going to guess that there are tons of comments that are like, that's what you get for having your wedding when me and the boys are out there. Because Saturdays are for the boys, actually, not your lame-ass wedding, bro. Pretty much. Uh, I Par wasn't really course. thinking. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I saw that. And I wouldn't advocate that people go out and comment their opinion on things on social media. But sure. there is also something to be said about social correction. And so I just, this is a meme account that I've been following since they were like, you know, not many followers. So I just, I don't know. I just commented and said, NGL, not going to lie, kind of douchey. I just left it at that. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I didn't make any judgment about these people or whatever. I just was like, this, "That's the douche." Yeah, it wasn't like you got, you weren't like these guys should never be allowed on this course again. You didn't take any drastic action. You were just like, "Oh, that's that could have been handled better by those people." That's that doesn't I mean, reflect is, nicely on you, right? This is you know, regardless of what you think of you know marriage or marriages on a golf course or golfing or public use of these kind of spaces or any anything that could play into these sort of scenarios. Uh, this is somebody's arguably the most sacred, most important moment of their life, and you did something to interrupt it, filmed it, and then shared it. Uh, and I just thought that was really annoying. My guess is those exact same guys would be uh, less cool with me yelling Baba Booey in their backswing, which is decidedly less important. 
than this person's oh, yeah. wedding. <laughs> yeah. That they probably paid like somewhere between one and ten thousand dollars to have filmed and is completely ruined now. Like the tape maybe you can edit the audio. I guess you can probably edit the audio and it's probably okay, but like God horrible. <laughs> like I've edited out your dog barking in the background, so I bet these people know how to edit out the sure, Yababoo, but we hope true. Uh, they might not have the the expertise that I do after 60-plus episodes of Novel Discourse, but I don't know. Um, you know, Louis C.K. had a great response to a heckler one time when he said basically, and I'm going to get exactly what he said wrong, but he said something to the effect of, I am the least appropriate person for you to yell at within a several mile radius of here, right? Yeah. If you walk up to a random person on the street and start yelling at them, that is really weird. And think about that. You're not ruining a show for 2,500 people, right? Which is the great line in that, that whole bit. You can walk up to a random person on a crowded street and get in their face and start yelling Yabba Booey. And if you did that, you would at least not be ruining somebody's wedding. Right? And Absolutely. so, so anyways, I comment this. All I said is NGL kind of douchey. Forgot that I even commented it because I don't comment very often. Of course, I get back on my, my gram a few hours later and I see like 12 people have commented on it. Some people agreeing with the, me. Some the people... into- Every one of the Nelk boys has commented to let you know that oh your name is fuck. <laughs> I got, yeah, one of the responses was like, and it's not quote-unquote douchey to have your, your wedding at a golf course, which I, I was like, is it? Is that a thing that uh, people like, talk that's about? That's super common, dude. Like, that's, I've been to, like, out of, like, the 20 weddings I've been to, I would say, like, four to five of them, like, a good quarter have been at golf courses or country clubs. That's, like, a pretty standard venue that is available to people when they're trying to schedule these things. Like, when you're looking for facilities that can provide all the services required of a wedding that's like a a nice one yeah and they go for that that's like actually one of the services provided at nice i was gonna say it's not like you it's not like you uh demanded that the country club host you they like seek out that business and desperately want it and advertise for it so like you are decidedly in the wrong but like okay sure i just assume those are children right like those have to be just like 18 19 years old like they have no respect for anything like it is what it is but that's super annoying i did seek out some of the profiles that said you know long flowing conversations that were you know judgmental towards me or towards the people that are having the wedding at a golf course and of course they all are they all have multiple shirtless photos and things like that uh sports teams in their bio all that kind of thing uh very much like what you would expect um and uh anything else that came from that um I'm trying to remember that i think that's pretty much about it uh oh oh raise I, your kids I did better. comment raise your kids yeah, better ra- all right like yeah raise your kids better <laughs> you don't want your son posting shirtless pictures and fighting with sam on instagram about how tight it is to yell yaba buoy while someone's trying to <laughs> marry their wife that's it's not where you want to find yourself as a father i don't know it's it's kind of funny though that because you know i'll see things on on the internet that I disagree with at a much deeper level, things that are, should be much more important to me. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, whether it be, you know, political or religious or anything in between. Sure. And then, but the moment that I see somebody yelling at a wedding, I'm like, Hey bucko. Marriage police here. That's where I draw the line, I guess. So, um, hey. 
Speaking of drawing the line, where do you draw the line with your alliance to your work? That is the question that we're going to ask today with the show Severance. And, oh boy, was this a phenomenal show. Uh, You had recommended this to me quite a while back, just in passing. I feel like we didn't talk about it too much. But then I had listened to a number of different shows, podcasts that talked about, man, have have you watched Severance? This is so good. I feel like this show really it flew below the radar as far as the, you know, getting big with the larger population. But I feel like as people watched it, they couldn't stop talking about it. And it's getting even more popular now. I feel like no one under 50 has Apple TV in my experience. Like everyone's parents have Apple TV, but I don't know anyone my age that has Apple TV. Um, And so given this is like Apple TV's like this and a show called C, which is also supposed to be really good, which I have not watched. Um, With Jason Momoa? Yeah, it's like the whole world's blind and they like fight like these kind of like cool post-apocalyptic samurai wars all blind. It's actually a very fascinating concept, but it is cool. I've watched like the opening battle sequence. But um, yeah, this this was one of those that was just like. I had always I heard it was good, and then I watched the first couple episodes, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm in, dude. I'm all the way in." I love Adam Scott and um, the actor, not the yes, golfer. correct. Adam Scott, the actor from like Parks and Rec, and he tends to play like comedic roles. That's kind of been his his parlance in in Hollywood, and uh, he plays like a like th- there is some lightheartedness to this role in moments, but it, for the most part, this is like a thriller. Um, and I think he just absolutely crushes it. Ben Stiller is like the, I guess like the producer, executive, yeah, executive producer, producer of this show. Co-director. He did a phenomenal yeah. job. I have to and say shouts out crushing to Ben it, Stiller. Dude. Crushing yeah. it. So the, this show is amazing. It has so many, it does what, it does something that I think many uh, shows you remember for a long time do well, which is like it has a very distinct like tone and design language it's very unique and strange in its own way um we'll get into all of it but like there's so many things about this show that are so weird like not beyond the premise just like the way this company operates like the kind of quasi-religious elements of this corporation that function between the workers and the people that in the outside world um and what's as as we kind of are more and more is revealed we're just like dang dude this is crazy yeah you, you used an interesting term in design language. That's normally something I hear when I when you talk about like Apple iPhones. But I think it's a good point. If you watch this show, it feels very distinct. Everything is in like bright colors, or it's in this like deep red or blue. Kind of remind me of the Matrix. Which pill are you going to choose? A lot of people's clothes are either a very um, plain cream or brown, or maybe even black undertones, or they're wearing like a bright blue or or red um everything is very fluorescent everything is very light and airy but then there's moments where they go into um more cavernous areas of the office and it's very dark or like outside the office it's often in uh, it's often nighttime and things like that um so yeah the design language is definitely uh, an important factor in all of this i love kind of like the future retro nature of everything like it's clearly like set in either modern or near future time but like all the technology they use all the furniture everything is like kind of 70s ish like it doesn't look like it came from the 70s but you know what i mean like their keyboards have like weird kind of retro keys on them 
all their yeah. chairs are like old, more old fashioned. Like it's very interesting. Like the graphics, like the company uses like animated videos to like communicate with the employees, and they're all very like old vector graphics that you'd see on like a Super Nintendo game. Um, they have walkie talkies. They use old recorder devi- recording devices. You know, with yeah. the, you know the massive uh, tape recorders. Um, all of that. You're right. Um, you know what this reminded me of from a aesthetic standpoint. The Netflix show with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone called Maniac. So good, dude. So Maniac again, was incredible. Like very, this show is very similar. Yes, very similar in many ways. Good, good comparison. Where it's this, you go and you go work with this company for for Maniac. You were it was a clinical trial. For this, you are an employee, and things are not as they appear, and you're kind of trapped, and all this kind of stuff. So very have much. You watched, my, if you uh, like Maniac, you like this. Have you watched Spiderhead on Netflix? No. I won't spoil any of it, but check it out. If you like these those two things, you'll you'll dig Spiderhead. You did something that I appreciate, which is you recommended a show. You said if I like this, you'll like this. That was your pitch, and then you didn't tell me anything about the show. And I think that's important because this show that we're talking about today, Severance, is a show that even by the most simple explanation of what the show's about, you can ruin part of the show. Because when you told me about the show, you were just like. It's about this company that has basically severed the existence of two people. So, like, when you walk into work, you don't remember what happens outside. Yeah, I tried to just basically give you only information that you get in the first 10 minutes, which is about as good a job as you can do with this. But even that is kind of a disservice to the viewer for this one. Exactly. Because when you watch it, it... it, There is something fascinating with how they set up this, you know, chapter one, if you will. Where when you have Heli wake up on the desk and there's... You know, you have absolutely no clue where she is, why she's there, and it's not revealed to you until, like you said, probably about 20 minutes into the first episode, even hints as to where they're at, right? Um, This show is so well done. I thought that the information reveals were incredible. One thing I really liked about the show, um, again, just as an overview as we kind of, before before we get into the details, was this show did a phenomenal job of the moment that one question was answered, another another question came to be you were never you never felt like you had a true grasp of what was going on or how it was going to play out um like handmaid's tale for example does a really poor job with nothing is ever answered and you're kind of just sitting there waiting for something to happen and it gets very monotonous you can watch three full episodes of handmaid's tale and really nothing has happened yeah there are other shows where it has a really interesting pilot and then within the first two episodes a ton gets answered and then it becomes more of a traditional like chase em thriller and it's like okay this isn't the same show that it was in the pilot right uh, I think The Bodyguard on Netflix is a good example of that yep. uh, on the other end of the spectrum but I think this show as I said does a good job of you never really have good footing you're always learning something new you always have a ton of questions as to what's going on even after the first season I'm I'm still as confused as to what's going to happen uh, and what this company Lumen is all really about Dude, it's crazy, and it brings up so much – there's so many larger issues at play here just about like the relationship between corporations and government, corporations and society, corporations and their own employees. Um, yeah, I felt like I was effectively like looking around a room with a flashlight. Like every episode was like turning the flashlight on. You'd look at something, but you couldn't see anything else around it. And then when you would like look away to something else, you'd look back with the flashlight. Something else would be there. So it was like very difficult to keep your bearings on what was where. Um, The office like itself is almost a character because it it like feels like 
endless. Like at yeah. first you're aware of like the room they're in, the hallway, like the supply closet, then slowly like the security room. Then you find out there's other divisions. They're doing all kinds of weird shit over there. Then you find out like, dude, I can't remember which episode it is, but they drop like randomly. They're like, yeah, dude, there was a war between like compliance and accounting 10 years ago and there's like these super violent images of like, like dudes in business painting. casual yeah just like hatcheting each other to death like over fax machines and you're like what the fuck like yeah we can't trust those guys fuck them we can't ever trust them and like all their weird little rituals like dude my favorite one of my favorite scenes of the entire season was uh What's it called? It's the name of an episode, uh, Defiant Jazz, where she, like, hits 75% of her quotas. (laughs) They bring in this, like, music dance experience for the whole office. They just let them dance. You have five minutes. You You can choose one genre and one, like, uh, accessory. She's like, I want the Morocco. It's, It's also, like, so right up the alley of, like, corporate America where they're like, hey, yeah, like, we don't have health insurance here, but like we do have a fucking ping pong table, so like that's kind of tight. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like the most. We have a walking treadmill. Shit. There's only one of them. You can use it for up to 20 minutes every other day. Uh, yeah, you have to sign up beforehand. It's like all those little things that just make you feel like what what seem like just free things are not yeah. free things. They're well, it's, all just it's so like hamstrung. the uh, the great conundrum of unlimited vacation, where like. Yeah, we have unlimited vacation here, and you're like, oh, sick. And then you like, then like you dig down into that, and it turns out that like when people have unlimited vacation, they don't take that much vacation. Like companies have figured that out. So like, everyone offers unlimited vacation because yeah, it's actually better for the company to do that because you will <laughs> yeah. be, just be like peer pressured into always working and never going on vacation. Right. Whereas if you have 20 days, you're like, fuck you. Like I'm using my days. Like. Yeah, exactly. You're. I'm kind of jumping around here. There's two things that you brought up that I wanted to kind of hammer home. You talked about the design perspective of the of the office seeming endless. I was thinking of um, the second scene of the entire show has Adam Scott get out of the elevator, and then there's a tracking shot of Adam Scott just walking to his office. But it, it takes him like three and a half, four minutes. Yeah, of, And he does like 19 or 20 turns down these endless hallways. And it's just playing this boring music. And there's like hardly any doors. It's just a bunch of endless hallways and fluorescent lights. And I, I just started getting the, the EBGBs. I was like, oh my gosh. I feel like I'm in, you're in the back rooms. Like, this is the most depressing office setting of all time. It is super liminal uh, space, like very much liminal backroom space. They also do this like bizarre style of work where like plenty of other media has done the like, like make fun of like work is just busy work. We don't really do anything, but they took it a level deeper here where like their work is one. It doesn't that you can't tell what they're really doing. Like they don't really do anything. And also it's bizarre. Like the whole office that we kind of, the protagonists are all in their job is to sort numbers by emotions. So they'll be like, this bunch of numbers makes me feel happy. And they put that in a bucket, they like click a button to put those numbers in a bucket. This one makes me feel rage. I'm like, the and then they call back to that during the waffle party scene with the dancers. The four dancers are like rage, joy, sorrow, and whatever. Like it's it's so deep and connected, but you're also like, does this mean anything? Like, is it all just meaningless bullshit? Is this just part of an experiment? Like, it's crazy. Right. Another thing that I I kind of just thought of uh, when you talked about the this great war that happened between two departments. Um, yeah, and I think and I think the departments were. I think they're called data refinement and the other department was called procurement. 
If yes. I, or maybe I might have those little In procurement, up, but... just like 3D prints random objects all day, like the most random assortment of objects, and then data refinement does the numbers thing. <laughs> like Right. And this war that happened and these Renaissance paintings, and I've got, you know, a theory, and then I've got a kind of theme theory, if you will. The theory is I, I think this absolutely happened. I, I think that at some point For there sure. was a... a Obviously not a war, but maybe like a massive brawl that broke out. armed conflict, yeah. And somebody may have died. Um, I think that this is kind of telling as to what happens with any society that has like a finite number of resources and then multiple groups that want those resources, whether it's land or water or religious artifacts or, you know, Helen of Troy women sometimes. Yeah. it could be a number of things, but in this instance, with this severed area, the severed floor, as they call it, the, they only have their life as their work. So what happens if one department just steals all the mugs from the other department? That's all yeah. you have. Now you right. can't drink coffee. That's worth dying over because that's all you have is like, I need my coffee. If, if you don't have anything else in life, then maybe that's worth dying for. So I thought that well, was and, interesting. And, and like even even within like uh... – oppressed groups like there will be divisions like that like you see time and time again in like colonial societies like the british would pit you know the hutus against the tootsies like they'd put one in charge and make them oppress the other ones and then like slowly over time they'd come to hate each other and that that was useful right because they would never unite and turn on the british right and so like even though like all the innies all the people that live this severed lifestyle are like clearly living like this hellish existence within you know, under Lumen's control, they spend their time like worrying about what the guys in the other department are doing and what are they doing with our mugs and like how come we don't get ex- you know how come we don't get the the melon party because you know the other guys did rather than right. all like like joining up, which we start to see over the course of the season. They start to communicate a little bit and there's like people starting to like have rumblings of kind of an any rebellion and uh, Lumen is quick to squash that shit because they're like nah, that is not what this is for. Yeah. You want to go through a quick rundown of synopsis so we can kind of stop where we where we want to and then sure. maybe do some more overview stuff? Yeah, so you might have picked up on this a little bit, but uh, effectively, like, the overall uh, idea of the show is that there is this biotech company called Lumen, and they have pioneered this procedure called severance, where they put a microchip in your brain and it bifurcates your mind. So uh, you wake up in the morning at your house— you get in your car, you drive to work, you get in the elevator to go to your floor where your office is, and you blink and you're back in the elevator. Now, that sounds super tight to you as someone who's like, tight, I didn't have to work today, right? Like, I got to avoid all the shit about work I don't like. However, the downside of that is that there is some, like, the other half of you only knows the existence of waking up every day in that elevator. And then when they're done with the the work for the day, they go into the elevator and then blink and they're in the elevator again at the start of the next day. And so that is like the dynamic that is at play. We see a little bit of the the outside world through the eyes of characters like Adam Scott. We start to discover the outer lives of these characters, but there's effectively like two completely different characters within each body. Um, especially towards the end of the season, we learned some things about some of the characters. Heli specifically, I think is like the kind of the most shocking. Um, but 
at the beginning of the season, they're kind of like they're they've replaced a, a employee in their little group of four in this one in this data department that they work in. Uh, her name's Helly. She's kind of immediately not down, and she's like, "Hey, like, I don't want to do this shit." And they're like, "Well, that's you know." It's kind of up to the real person. And so it's very quick. It's very quickly established that, like, in the hierarchy of humanity, the outside person is the real you. And the inside person is not a human being. And in fact, they're they, literally like, a slave. Right. So she, like, tries to get a note. They start trying to, like, get notes to their outside selves. They're like, fuck no. Eventually, she tries to hang herself, which is. Obviously, like a five alarm fire, they can't they can't have this like slave killing the body of like someone that's important on the outside. So, right, right. Uh, they allow her to film a video to her outside self, and she explains like, "Hey, like, I feel like I know you. I feel like you're a reasonable person. Like, this is horrible. I'm living in hell." And then she, they like, "Oh, we got a response for you." And they play this tape, and it's her being like, "I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm having a great time out here. Your job's to do that shit. Deal with it, kind of." And so that's like this first moment of like existential horror. You're like, oh God, like what if your outside self's a huge piece of shit? Like what yeah. if it, it like truly like a sadistic psychopath? We also come to understand that like a lot of them chose this procedure out of like some source of trauma. So Adam Scott, like his wife died. And so for him, like being able to separate from that trauma almost physically by having time during the day where there's a version of himself that doesn't remember any of that is really great that's another piece of this is that like they have no knowledge of their outside self almost at all they they barely understand the context of their life outside of the this inner world and so like sam mentioned they become an incredibly insular society like they're very obsessed with like getting little trophies for their desks and like winning little pizza party type affairs which are very strange at this company and we slowly come to like understand that like the company is not just a company doing like biotech shit. They're like borderline occult. Like they are very fanatically worshiping of their founder. Um, the family of the founder is still like all the CEOs of Lumen are still like his direct descendants. And slowly, like I guess with the introduction of Heli, who acts as kind of the catalyst for this. They start to like form ideas of kind of rebellion and pushing back against this existence that they've been forced. They feel like they've been forced into, even though like technically they all volunteered for it. Um, yeah, we also we also we see that on the outside there are people that have been like disconnected from, like they've been allowed to like retire or resign, and they are vehemently uh, against Lumen. They hate it. It's like ruined their life. Like their brains fucked up forever from it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess ultimately where this goes is that, like, some of the departments start to mingle. There begin to be plans laid around, like, how they can get out. And then it's revealed that there is actually a method by which they can allow the inside person to occupy the outside. It's called the overtime contingency, um, yep. which that's kind of their big that's kind of their big break, right? It's like they're going to be able – they're like, oh, we can get out and we can, like, do whatever we need to do out there to, like, uh, seal the deal. So they end up right. doing that. Uh, and that's where they're like kind of the big reveal of the season happens, which is that Heli inside Heli gets to go outside and it turns out she is, uh, the daughter, like the great granddaughter of the founder of this company. And her outside self is like super down with the whole thing. She volunteered to go inside 
so that she could like prove to the public how good this procedure was and how beneficial it was to a society because ultimately the company wants everyone to do this because they can exert control over everyone right there's a lot to break down there um or how somebody could maybe get out of it or some of the things in the show that are addressed through dialogue one of the most important things or really with any kind of fiction uh whether that be science fiction or fantasy one of the most important elements if you're going to introduce either a new technology or a magical element is to think about every little consequence of it right of not only the people that are in the severed floor talking about what if we tried this and it never works or what if we tried that or it's impossible and there's also people that are not in the severed floor when it shows our main character um you know mark's character who when he's when mark's talking to people like on dates or at dinner parties and they're asking him very pointed questions about the morality of severance or how it works these are all questions that the audience might have for themselves later in the season they go ahead and address it within the first two episodes so you don't have to you don't have to try to think of these plot holes they they've already beat you to the punch with most of the plot holes um that's one of the things i think this show does so well and then they ask all these questions about okay well how would this severance procedure affect the people down below i think a lot i think that how it affects heli is pretty accurate as to how most of us would be where you would you'd have a period of freak out followed by a periods of normalcy followed by more periods of freak out and then eventually you'd probably just fall in line you'd probably like like a caged animal you'd probably just be like this is my new reality um one interesting note about the new realities and the way that these people interact with the severed floor i do think it's interesting how this technology eliminates all of the memory but it keeps people remembering what the outside is like so it's not like they're born again and they walk you know the first time they come off the elevator they don't remember what birds look like they don't remember you know they don't they don't forget what it's like to swim in the ocean they just don't know what their family's like or where they live or anything like that um which is interesting because I feel like this technology, not to sound <laughs> creepy, this technology could work in a theory if the people came off the elevator and didn't know, like, this is all they knew, right? If they truly didn't know anything other than, like, this is my fishbowl. Like, I've never been outside of this. I don't know what outside is. All I know is the numbers. All I know is the the music parties, uh, things like that. So I think it's an interesting it's an interesting way that they've devised this this hell which they reference a lot in this show there's a lot of they talk about hell a lot there's a lot of subliminal messaging in the background um her name is heli there's moments where they like one character will be standing above a sign that says hello and they're they're marking out the o so it just says hell um i think it's pretty obvious that this is supposed to be you know ben stiller's version of hell just corporate the worst corporate america job ever but you can't leave it right no, and uh, I actually looked up, like, I was watching a bunch of uh, YouTube videos, and, like, all the names mean things. Uh, like, yeah, the Heli does mean hell. It's it's Greek. Uh, like, all the names of the, the name of the founder is, like, ancient something for, like, the devil or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, one of their first names is, like, the Dark One. And yeah. Greek or something, just yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's a there's a whole bunch of like crazy stuff like that. So it's a it's a show with a bunch of layers. I think um, I think they I also think that they did a really good job walking a line between something that is ultimately like very high concept and 
more arty than, you know, your average sitcom, but also, like, pretty accessible. Like, I don't feel afraid to show this television show to, like, most people. I think that, like, most people I know can get into it. Um, it has enough there from, like, a tension standpoint, like, an interesting actor standpoint, and it's very aesthetically pleasing television show. It's shot super interestingly. It's very clean. All the lines are very clean, so it's, like, it draws your eye to, like, the action within every every frame. Mm-hmm. So... I really enjoyed it. Um, I am, like, sad that, like, all these kinds of shows, I'm sure we're going to have to wait forever for season two. And so I'm just yeah. like, oh, man, dude, I, I really want more of this right now, and I know I'm not going to get what I want. So I'm sad. Season one's ending was phenomenal, and it also kind of irritated me, and I'll explain what I mean. So season one ends with this great scene, this idea that you ta- you you mentioned this earlier, but there's this moment where they figured out this overtime protocol where they basically figure out that the elevator is not what controls whether or not they're an innie or an Audi in terms of like it, whether, you know, where your consciousness is, it's controlled by the microchip and that button exists, you know, in the control room that they can technically get to. Right. So, right. It's plausible for them to turn off their, or to turn their conscience on while they're outside. And so they can go, you know, basically, do something about their situation um and so they have this plan that um so dylan's gonna stay behind and every the other three yeah mark and heli and irving are gonna go out and they're gonna go home as planned and then dylan is gonna follow the directions they found he's gonna turn you know their conscious their their any or their severed conscious on so that they can alert for help um, and they all just, then they all proceed to fuck around for like the next hour. Like nobody actually does what they said they were going to do. Nobody actually goes and tries to find help. Um, you've got, uh, Irving is in his apartment and he sees all of these paintings that he's been doing. He's basically been painting the break room. Like it's like his, his, uh, his Audi mind has a connection. Like it's like he, maybe he has nightmares about it. We're led to believe. And so he, yeah, he keeps painting the, the hallway. Room. Which is super crazy. It's also a great detail to tell us that there's not a complete severance of the two. Like there's some, you know, leftover memories, which is is, is a neat kind of concept. Um, something we'll have to remember during the next season. Uh, and then you've got Mark, who actually let me talk about Helly first. Helly finds out that she's you know in on the whole Lumen thing. She's a high up Lumen employee, like you said. Her her parents and her grandparents like basically were ceos she is like part of the lumen you know name and uh i forgive her she was in a really tough predicament she is basically uh walking around surrounded by wolves like she doesn't have anywhere she can go you know we're kind of led to believe that there's about 30 minutes maybe that they have to like warn somebody it seems like um Helly doesn't really have a good situation in which she could go talk to somebody and do what she needs to do. Uh, unless she had just like grabbed the microphone and started yelling. Um, yeah. The one that I'm really upset about is Mark. Mark was at a dinner party with his sister and family friends. He's got to just walk up to his sister and grab her by the collar and be like, get me out of there. Get me out of there. You know, start acting like a crazy person. Uh, prove it. They, they, they've got to think of a way to prove that they're the severed person to to write something down to draw something 
they they kind of just went in there with no game plan, and their game plan was yeah. to kind of just like freak out and call and like they said. I think they're verbatim. They said they're going to grab the first person they see and like panic and tell them to let them out. And none of them did that. And so if I was Dylan, I would be pissed because <laughs> none of them did. They their also job. didn't. They also didn't like take into account. I guess they're still under the assumption that like the corporation in general is kind of like not paying that much attention. Like we, we learned pretty quickly that like they've put pretty significant safeguards in place. Like someone who's very like one of, uh, one of Mark's neighbors who in the outside world, he's like pretty close with and everything is actually like his boss inside in, in inside. And so he calls yeah. her by her incorrect name on the outside in the outside world. And that's what gives him away. He's, he calls her uh, Mrs. Strobel Cold. or whatever. Coble. He's like, and she's like, Coble. It says it on accident. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's, and she's like, oh really? So yeah, I, I saw it, this interview nuts. with Adam Scott where he he said he was reading the script and he said when he saw that he just like immediately dropped the script and was like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> crazy. Which is true. And they don't. One thing that's so good about this show is they they let you pick up things at your own pace, um, but they don't. But everything that's important will eventually come back around full circle again. There's a lot of subtle lines, subtle details, back even background details um, that if you don't notice, it's fine because they're going to readdress it again. Mark saying, uh, you know, thanks, Mrs. Coble, and walking away, you don't have to pick up on that. And then later it shows that she understands who he is, right? Like it, yeah. it's something that I think a lot of people picked up on, but if you happen to miss it, uh, or having to be looking at your phone, it's not the end of the world because they readdress it again. So it's kind of, have you ever seen those uh, contests that, that on you know social media that it's like, it'll be five images and it will be like, guess the actor or guess the sports team and it'll give you hints. And every time you swipe, it gives you an easier hint. It's kind of like one of those where yeah, yeah. you can guess it at the easy, at the most challenging hint and you'll know an episode and a half in advance where it's going. Or you can just kind of follow along at your own pace and you're never going to be left behind. Like, I don't think anybody... The show is brilliant enough that you can you can figure things out quickly, or you can wait. And by the end of the season, everybody's at the same spot. Like nobody's going to walk away super confused from this show, um, which I think is a testament to the writing. That absolutely, it's high level, but it's also not confusing at the same time. Yeah, and like it was interesting when I was going through our, uh, you know, in preparation for this episode, I of course went through the uh, some Rotten Tomatoes uh, reviews, and like, oh no. I, the, uh, it's nine. It's like ninety-seven percent positive, but there are these people that are just like good acting, uh, same level of writing as a afternoon soap opera. Like some of the worst writing you'll ever see on television. I was like, damn, dude. Like, what do y'all watch? Like, <laughs> I'm so fascinated by this idea. It's so well written. Um, we didn't. We haven't talked too much about the dialogue, but the dialogue is great because everybody that works at Lumen is so. Uh, is so tapered with what they say and it's so corporate. Um, and you can kind of tell when they're kind of like slightly losing their temper and they're, whether it's Miss Coble or, uh, the, the bodyguard, I'm trying to think of his name, McClin Milchick, Milchick. Uh, yeah. Milchick does such a great job with his smile. He's a massive dude. He's so much bigger than everybody else, but he's got this like such a warm smile, but it's like kind of dead inside it's it's so well acted and just his lines are so they're clearly right out of a corporate handbook i mean we even see that when mark's character greets heli um 
he seems super cold and super um like he's playing everything straight by the book and then later when it shows from his perspective how how that went down he literally is reading from a book directly um which i thought was such a good touch there's so much good subtlety to how they do the dialogue um all of your characters that work for lumen and are higher ups and are kind of in on it are again very tapered in how they talk to one another and especially how they talk to the people below them and to the people that are actually working on the severed floor and then everybody that's severed you can tell there's a little bit of humanity left in them but they are very careful about what they say um yeah especially those that have been there for a few years and it makes you wonder the entire season you're wondering what they've seen right like you kind of get it with the like when you finally get to see the break room but i i have a feeling they've seen more than the break room right that they've seen something that's a little bit more messed up than that even um that map that he finds from Petey, and if you go and find a screenshot on the internet of what that map looks like it's pretty interesting there's uh there's like different Ooh, I areas like that i didn't think to do that there's like an r&d department there's like this little area of like homes and it has a circle around it it says somebody lives here that's kind of weird Ooh. so it it, it kind of reminds you of when pd is talking to mark outside of the severed floor um and he says you know there's people that live there permanently they don't get to go home so I don't know. There's some really. I thought they they chose a they they chose a great setting. The uh the out like the outside shots of of the headquarters. That's Bell Labs, which is like a perfect setting for this. It's like you know a sterile laboratory environment, which is lends itself perfectly to like the innards of this. Right. Uh, what we see of the inside. Yeah, I'm looking at the map now. This is crazy. I can't believe I never looked this up. We're here because we're not uh because we're not all there <laughs> in the corner of the map. Oh my gosh. So, do you have any theories that you've thought of? Actually, let me ask you before we, before we get into that. Um, first of all, all theories are thought of. I don't know what I meant by that. But, um, when, you, when you were watching this show, did you have a moment where you're like, man, I could get out of here, and here's how I would do it. And then you thought of it, and, uh, and then maybe it was debunked? Um, I think... Mostly, I, I I don't think I my mind went there. Mostly because I felt like I wasn't confident that whatever I would think of, like I wasn't totally confident that it wasn't like a one way mirror. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't totally confident in the bifurcation as far as like I know that like people when they're inside don't know what the people on the outside are thinking, but I was, I was kept thinking like, well, like whatever plan they come up with is being foiled because the people on the outside know what the people on the inside are thinking. Ah, so I kept thinking that yeah. way. And that's why I kept being like, ah, oh, there's really no point to this. And we're going to be shown that eventually, but I don't think that's the case. So yeah, like I, I, I maybe I should have been thinking more about escape. Yeah. There's, so there's my first thing that I thought of, um, was what Helly did was writing was, I was actually thinking about etching, like with blood, a note to yourself, like help me on your leg or something like that in the bathroom, which I think that I don't know what they would do with that. They might keep you there until it's healed. Right. Cause like if you leave a scar that says help on your leg, they can't keep you there. Right. Or maybe they can. I don't really know how they would, how they would address that. Yeah. That, that is one thing is like, they can definitely, obviously if you like write with a Sharpie on your hand, but if you carved like, you know, 
help into your arm or into your thigh. Like, I don't know how they'd, I guess they could give you a skin graft yeah. and just keep you knocked out for like a week and feed you with a feeding tube. But, and you know, that sounds crazy, but this company sounds like they do it too. Right. So the second thing I thought of was, I don't know if this was totally debunked. Um, cause we don't really know. So we found out at the end of the season that the, um, that the doctor that's been working with them, the, uh, Miss Casey, so you Ms. find Casey, out. So yeah. Miss Casey is the uh, counselor, the wellness counselor that gets fired, um, and it's not quite clear where Miss Casey is if she's still alive. But my 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 second theory was, well, I would just stop working because, like, what are they yeah. going to do if you just stop? I mean, they'll probably put you in the break room, but like, if you just literally refuse to do anything, they can't keep you. I mean, would they keep you there? Like, would they like? Because we don't really know what the purpose of the people on the severed floor is. Maybe just them being there. Maybe they're part of an experiment, and just them being there is enough for Lumen, right? Like maybe this little thing with the numbers doesn't even really matter. But my thought was, if you're totally unproductive, then maybe they will fire the outside you, and just you you get to stop your existence. Um, but all these all of these kind of things they could do, as they've pointed out in the show, end your existence in the severed person's existence there's not really a a true win or like a true win for you but i guess the i guess i did have one more theory that i wanted to run past you um yes please and this you know this relies on not having a heli on the outside like if the person that is on the outside is a bad person that is has a a massive stake in you being there then you're never going to convince them uh, to let you leave but if you had like a n- relatively normal person on the outside i just go into the bathroom every day and i would just start punching my chest and my ribs and start leaving cool. start leaving welts because you can't see them on your face like i wouldn't get in trouble necessarily with the people that i work with that like see me because they wouldn't see my face bruises right but every evening when the person the audi takes off their shirt they would see all these welts and they'd be like am i getting the shit kicked out of me down there and then eventually <laughs> they would maybe quit you'd hope maybe. yeah you'd hope maybe which man the only the only downside is it sounds like at least from what we know like even if you quit your life's kind of ruined so <laughs> you're yep, like yep oh although at least like you won't have to live in that hell anymore so oh okay final thoughts any any first of all what's your rating on this Dude, I mean, it's only a season in. Um, typically, like with the with any show, it's hard to rate it after one season. Many shows have done one great season and then fallen apart. Um, other shows get way better after one season. So for all we know, it could get t- a ton better. Um, but as of now, dude, this is like a solid nine for me. I really love the direction it's gone in. There's so many unanswered questions. The acting is great. The writing is great. I love it. Aesthetically, it's shot beautifully. Um, and I can't wait to see where it goes. So it's a nine. This is a great television. It's going to be a 9.5. I mean, everything you said, it's stellar. It's fantastic. I don't really have any major complaints. Yeah. Um, get slow at parts. There's, I think some of the lighting wasn't great on some of the outside shots, but that's literally about it. I think it's, I'm so excited to see where they go with this. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and call my shot. I think they're making clones. That's what I think. Ooh, that's what they're doing down there. I like that's that. That's cool. I hadn't thought about that. That's an awesome way for this to go. Because there is a shot in the opener where it shows the severed, uh, like with the little caricatures, the opener, yeah. where it shows the, 
the severed and the real one lay together in bed, so that makes me think that there might be that's fascinating somewhere out that's there. That's fascinating. People that live there full time, dude. I Anyways, as always, um, if you like what we heard, please like, subscribe, give us a rating, all that good stuff. We've got plenty of cool things planned this fall. Um, yeah, and as always, this is a novel discourse. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. See you next time. Peace. Peace.